Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning. I'm Dave Orsborne. Welcome. Pull up a chair. Come on in. Make yourself at home. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Amanda Miller, and we're excited to have you with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutter is our barista, and right away this morning, we're going to continue our Advent Reflections from Rejoice Advent Meditations with the Holy Family. Then a very special guest will be joining us at 8.30, our bishop, Bishop Earl K. Fernandez. He'll share some of his thoughts with all of us for this Advent season. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. You don't like my little intro? <laughs> I you love your... You at me t- two days in a <laughs> row. <laughs> because I love the way you get us started off, and that's why. It just brings me so much joy. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Can you start us with a prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for another day. We thank you for your goodness and for your blessings. We thank you that you work all things for our good. We ask that as we enter deeper into this Advent season, give us expectant hearts, hearts ready to receive you. We ask that those those parts of our hearts that maybe are tender or uncertain or need a little extra care, that you would come and minister to those parts. We thank you for the work that you are doing in ourselves, in our families, in our friends, in our community. We ask that you continue to the work and help us to partner with you. We thank you, Lord. We offer all this through Jesus' name and through the intercession of Mary. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, Amanda. Yeah. You've been back in the schools. I have been yeah i've been doing the divine mercy chaplet with the fifth graders last time i did fourth graders and now i'm hanging out with the fifth graders you've moved up a grade yeah (laughs) i'm moving up in life (laughs) yeah so so far i've done i've had the pleasure of visiting saint agatha saint catherine Um, yesterday i went to trinity catholic and today i'll be going to all saints academy outstanding Mm -hmm. so that will be 13 schools yeah. that are helping us uh, pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Yeah, and I hope everyone's been enjoying the opportunity to pray along with our school children at our 3 o'clock hour. Um, and it's special to get to go into the schools and share with them. Not only, I'll, I'll take a Divine Mercy image with me, and so I'll share with them a little bit of the background and history of Divine Mercy, but to also let them know, well, the reason that we're doing this is so that Everyone can pray along with us when they're in their cars, in their homes, mm-hmm. wherever they're listening to. And so this is an opportunity um, for our grade schoolers to be more active in inviting people into prayer. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's important. And it, their their voices are beautiful. Yeah, and, they're and doing they, so good. And they've put work into this to get ready. And um, now I, I, I love hearing their voices and praying along with them. Yeah. And you had some questions from the audience yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yesterday, 
as I was kind of packing up because we had already prayed and they're getting ready to go back to class and a couple hands went up like, well, what do you do at the radio station? And so I shared with them a little bit about what I get to do with the morning show at the cafe. Mm-hmm. And I shared with them what I get to do after the cafe, my community correspondent job and how I get to come and hang out with them and do different projects like that. And one of them said, raises her hand and she says, well, does that mean you get paid to talk? <laughs> I took a moment. I thought, well, yeah, actually, I guess I do. <laughs> um, and then another one without raising his hand says, I could talk. I could get paid to talk. I talk. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. It's that easy. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So they seemed so excited about it. So I told them, you know, if you ask your parents, you're welcome to come in for a little tour one day and I'll show you. So. I love it when we have visitors. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking uh, last night. You know, why, why do we do this? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had a, a wonderful time with uh, Mary Beth Eberhardt and Lisa Iglesias yesterday, just sitting around, you know, the cafe table uh, talking about Advent and, our, you know, some of our challenges and our hopes for the season and how we uh, uh, strive to come closer to the Lord. And... One of our plans, really, our, our vision for uh, the St. Gabriel Cafe is to to share God's love with the community and, and let our community know all the ways, uh, the many ways that uh, he's working in, in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a real joy. Uh, you know, that's been... You know, I know we're a little bit past Thanksgiving, but I'm going to go back to the, the gratitude and Thanksgiving. Just all the people that have uh, made themselves available to come in and share, mm-hmm. share their hearts with us. And then we had a, uh, a really nice visit um, by a gentleman that we met at the Evangelization Summit, yeah. uh, Mike, Michael Russell. And uh, he came in and, uh, his first time to the station, gave him a tour. Uh, and then we just spent, you know, some time chatting here in the studio with them uh, about his life, uh, some of our lives, so how the cafe came to be. Uh, and it was just really nice. We have such, such a wonderful community. Mm-hmm. And really I hope people can take these opportunities to, to have their own cafes, uh, you know, in, in their families, just to spend time around the table talking. Because that, that really is all that we do. You know, <laughs> we, we get paid to talk. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Um, well, okay, there's a little more behind the scenes. <laughs> sure. A, a bit. But, uh, yeah, you know, for but for families to slow down, especially in this time mm-hmm. uh, of Advent, uh, and spend time around the table talking. Yeah. You, you know, you don't have to have a planned activity. You don't need to... Um, Make a big deal of it. Just sit down, grab a cup of coffee or a, a juice or, you know, depending how old the kids are and, uh, and just chat with them. And I really, yeah, it just then for people to, to make time for each other and maybe grab coffee, grab lunch with, with others and, and just have these sorts of conversations. So yeah. that's kind of what I was thinking on last night. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you, and I I love that you expounded upon that. What 
comes to mind is something that Lisa had said yesterday when she was in the cafe with us. We had just done our rejoice reflection for the day and her, one of her first comments was, I love that. It's like being a part of a small group again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, don't we all enjoy those opportunities to just come together and freely share mm-hmm. uh, without expectations, without pressure to just encounter one another and be inspired by one another. So yeah, Dave, we, I think we could all use a little more of that. It, it really is so easy. And I think uh, uh, just in our hectic lives or, or, Kind of a, I know for guys, for this guy in particular, um, want to have productive time. Mm-hmm. You know, have a, a goal at the end of whatever I'm doing. And that's kind of how I measure. I, I know I'm not alone in this, but measure um, how well the day went by how productive, you know, did I get the things done that I needed to do? And that's, yeah, that's all important. But we all need to make time to step back and, and just be with each other and and have conversations and just yeah to to share our lives. It doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to be you know teaching moments. Um, but uh, just yeah, just to have that human human time. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's on my heart today. So let's continue with our series rejoice advent meditations with the holy family by father mark toops we are in the first week of advent happy new year (laughs) tuesday of the first week uh you want to pick it up cam sure reflection in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen our advent journey begins by learning more about how Mary and Joseph loved one another. The purity of their love may seem foreign to what we experience from others or from ourselves. For example, we might struggle to understand how Joseph could have lived the fullness of marriage, while at the same time honoring Mary's consecration to virginity. This type of chaste love seems foreign to our experience and perhaps impossible for us to emulate. We are aware of our sinfulness Yes, but perhaps there's more at work in causing us to doubt. Mary and Joseph's love challenges us to consider by what standard we ourselves live. In his book, Theology of the Body Explained, Christopher West writes, Without reference to God's original plan and its hope of restoration in Christ, people tend to accept discord as just the way it is. Sound familiar? West continues, when we normalize our fallen state, it is akin to thinking it normal to drive with flat tires. We intuit that something is amiss. But when everyone drives around in the same state, we lack a point of reference for anything different. In other words, when we live our relationship with flat tires, Mary and Joseph's marriage, which definitely had air in its tires, seems odd or even impossible. But what if there were more? What if God wanted air in your tires? If we are not striving to love the way Mary and Joseph loved, what are we striving toward? Mary and Joseph loved each other the way they did because of the standard to which they held themselves. 
Their depth and complete availability to God allowed them to believe that more was possible in their marriage. Therefore, the question for you is, do you believe that more is possible for you? What is the standard of your personal holiness? What is the standard for your marriage or family or friendships? Goldfish grow to the size of their bowl. The smaller the bowl, the smaller the fish. The larger the bowl, the larger the fish grows. This Advent, God calls you to stretch your heart and go deeper. He is asking you to believe that more is possible. He is asking you to raise your standards of what to expect from yourself. It is okay if you do not know how. Mary and Joseph can teach you. The first step is admitting where you are and giving God permission to raise your standards. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians, and it's uh, chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. Amanda? Now this I affirm and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. In the fertility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of uncleanliness. You did not so learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off the old man that belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new man, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. Uh, What jumped out is, uh, well, first from the meditation, people tend to accept discord as just the way it is. Mm. And... This uh, section of Ephesians gets to to that uh, the futility of our minds darkened in our understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Yeah. I, boy, sometimes it's uh, mm, just uh, accepting pretty low standards, <laughs> right, as... Uh, as you know, yeah, that's just the way things are, and uh, or even maybe, oh, at least I'm not as bad as that guy, <laughs> you know. Um, but that's not the standard that uh, that God's calling us to. I think for myself, as I was reading this passage, at at first glance, it's it could be maybe seemingly un unable to connect to it because I mean we don't really 
many of us probably didn't grow up as like a Gentile, you know, <laughs> like we didn't really grow up as pagans. Uh, but when you think about it, it's, I mean, my own reflection, I was thinking, well, but I also fall short of the standard of Christ. So actually it is very applicable. Uh, maybe if I take this idea of kind of the biblical idea of Gentile and relate it more to my life in terms of, okay, but in what ways am I not fully putting on the holiness that Christ calls me to? Mm -hmm. And I actually think that's one of the things that I really liked about the reflection today in the book is he uses a lot of imagery that the imagery of the flat tire, right? And if we're all driving around with flat tires and we look around at us and we see flat tires, that that seems to be the normal standard, right? And it could be difficult to imagine something better for our relationships, for our lives, for whatever we're called to. But we're not made for flat tires. Right. 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 And we're not. He also uses the imagery of the fishbowl. We're not made for small fishbowls. We're made for greater fishbowls. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So imagining our lives and asking ourselves, okay, what does, what are you calling me to, Lord? What does my larger fish tank look like? Mm. What does driving around on tires full of air look like (laughs) and also just like it's a call to to not measure ourselves by the people around us Mm -hmm. um or or even by what we perceive the people around us are going through i think of this through like the lens of social media right when when we and we've talked about it on the cafe before that when one gets on social media, you're only really seeing the perfect part of people's life and maybe take it a step further with like Christian people on social media. You'll see mostly perfect parts of their life and then occasionally a prayer request. Right. But that's it. And if that's like the standard we measure ourselves by, those flat tires are, are all we're measuring ourselves by. Um, of course, we're going to be driving around on flat tires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it could also be very discouraging because when you look at the culture, if if we were to measure our relationships or our marriages, you know, by the standards of the culture, oh, that could be quite depressing because we we know that many marriages are are ending in divorce, right? But we are called to have that higher standard of of living, right? To to ask the Lord to help us, you know, in a Christian way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I had mentioned a standard of kind of based on mediocrity, right? So comparing myself or um, how I live life to a lower standard, there is something to be said for looking for models and people that are living to a higher standard. I mean, that can be very helpful. That's what we do with the saints, right? Um, To emulate them, but not to become them. And I love St. Francis, right? But the world already had one St. Francis. And there are a lot of virtues and 
things that are to be admired and respected by good people around us. And we've all had role models and people in our lives that, uh, that have been mentors, but the Lord doesn't want us to become them. He wants us to become who he created us to be. And sometimes that's, you know, difficult to, to remember, at least it is for me. And I think that's a good point too, Dave. I, I think at least in my own life, the biggest limitations that I've struggled with throughout life are the ones I've put on myself Mm -hmm. because I did not look at me and my life with the father's eyes, with God's eyes and, and take a step back and say, okay, hold on God. What are, what is it that you're saying about me? What is it that you're saying? I, I am, I mean, what is it that you're saying that you are qualifying me to be able to do? Right. Because if we're only looking at it as like God created me in the womb and then like got the wheel spinning and when the wheel ran out of air, that's just the way it happens. And we're supposed to just keep rolling and rolling and rolling until we stop. That's not how God designed it in that way. Um, One of the most impactful memories actually I have of, of brotherhood in my life was getting together with a group of guys who were all just like really pursuing Christ. And, um, we had a bonfire and one of the guys who, who tended to be more of like a leader, Brad, um, Piron, who, who's like an older brother in a lot of ways, just like started talking to us about, about this idea of like the limitations we set on ourselves are, are from ourselves. They're not from God and God wants more for you. And, we took a bunch of like wooden planks, right? Maybe a foot one way by two feet the other way or whatever. And, and we drew stick figures on them. And then Brad had to sit down with Sharpies and he was like, I want you to write everything you believe about yourself on this stick figure on this wooden plank. And so we did. I mean, you, you just sit there and you're scribbling everything you believe about yourself. And at first it's like, you know, you start with maybe things that are a little bit more superficial, not very deep. You know, I believe that uh, I'm a good musician and things like that. But as you start like chipping away at it and and as time drags on and Brad's not moving anybody forward, you know, you're like, well, actually, I, I also kind of believe that I'm broken in this way or that. Um, And so you really, we just started digging and digging and digging into it. And I just remember like sitting there like, wow, looking at my plank at the very end and, and being like, I can't almost I almost can't even see the stick figure anymore because of all these things I believe about myself Mm. and then Brad goes all right now in in the most manly fashion possible snap that plank in half and throw it in the bonfire Mm. because none of that is actually what your identity is based in because your identity is actually based in God and so we did that snapped in half threw it in the bonfire and afterward he pulled out more planks of wood we drew a stick figure And he had us go around to the other guy's planks, not to our own. And to sit there and pray with that plank and say, God, what do you say about this man? Mm. And so then coming back to your own plank after 20 guys came through and like (laughs) wrote on your plank what God is saying about you. It's just like this really impactful experience of being able to say like, wow, these other guys who can look at me with the eyes of Christ or with the eyes of the Father um, really put it in perspective that God actually wanted a lot more for me than I wanted for myself. Mm that my standard got to be raised in that way. Um, 
I just I thought that was a really that that's really what this uh reflection and and it was all based in the scripture of today too which is kind of what dug it up to put off the old man and to put on the new man yeah that's really beautiful I love that (laughs) um what are your thoughts on this idea of you know God's standard you know his the true identity that he calls us by versus our projected expectations that he has for us because I think when we when we just use the word God's standard, sometimes that can maybe seem, oh, maybe that's so high and unattainable and I'm nothing like the saints and what does God really expect of me? And, you know, versus actually the standard that he actually has for us and, mm. the, and the goodness of that and how he wouldn't call us to that if, if he wasn't going to help make it possible. Well, we know that he wants to move us forward, right, in relationship with him. And coming, but just that thought of uh, driving on a flat tire, you, you're not going to go far driving on flat tires. I mean, you, you may go slowly forward, but at some point you're going to do real damage <laughs> to the car and you're going to stop. You're not going to move forward. And if, and if uh, the Lord wants us always to move forward, um, then yeah, we, we need to look at um, or trust uh, that he wants more for us, that he wants bigger and better things for us in terms of a relationship with him. And also reminded, you know, we're, we're two or more are gathered. I, I'm in, in your midst. I'm with you going back to our conversation at the beginning of the show, how important these relationships are to, to inspire each other, to encourage each other. And then also to, you know, at, at times correct another's behavior, but you're, you're doing it in, in, in relationship and with the Lord in our midst, then we can be Christ to each other. You know what I mean? And we've all had those experiences in some sort of a community, whether it's a, a marriage, a family, a, a small group, uh, you know, whatever the community looks like where they're at their healthiest though. There is that support. There is that inspiration, um, for everyone to grow. Did that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> Going off on a tangent. Yeah, and I think you brought up a good point too, Dave, that that ultimately like the standard by which we measure ourselves um is Christ ultimately. Mm-hmm. And and that's not to say that like we're not God, therefore we're failing, because that's not the standard. I always come back to the most uh my favorite Bible verse, probably hands down, is John seventeen twenty one. Um, where Jesus is praying to the Father that they may be one as you and I are one, as as you, the Father, and Mm. I, Christ, are one. Um, Because that Bible verse just by itself, and there's more in Scripture that implies this, but that verse just by itself implies that 
Christ doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't do first, you know? That is key, isn't it? And yeah. and so if that's the standard, then if, if, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. You know, that's that's one of my, uh, my friend Aaron's catchphrase, and I steal it from him all the time. Um, and just living one's life that way, and, and when we need to be reminded, coming back to the scripture, coming back to the heart of the church, and being able to say like, okay, let me put off the old man, what I believe about myself, and look to the new man, Christ and saying, okay, put him on and what he, what's the standard? Either of you want to offer a practical takeaway? Do you have thoughts? Read your Bible. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Seriously, no. I, that's true. I really like the questions that are posed in today's reflection. Do you believe that more is possible for you? I think just starting with that question just is really good. Just pray over that today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Amen. Father, I humbly ask you to make this Advent my best ever. Help me to find you deep within. Teach me how to love with the depth with which Mary and Joseph loved. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're going to be right back with Bishop Earl K. Fernandez. Stay with us. Heavenly Father, today I pray for our suffering nation that you would raise up godly leaders with hearts and minds open to your truth. I pray for our government leaders, our military, and our first responders. I beg that in your mercy you would replace division with unity, hatred with love, evil with purity, chaos with peace. Most of all, I pray that the knowledge of your goodness and sovereignty will spread across this nation, setting hearts afire. But I also humbly recognize that I play an important part of that process in the way I treat every person you send my way. Therefore, Lord, open my eyes and heart and let me not be blinded by my own understanding. When I am tempted to take an us-against-them viewpoint, help me, rather, to see each person as a precious son or daughter of God. And then, Lord, give me the grace to love that person as you do. You have created me for such a time as this, Lord, and I am ready to do your will. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of perseverance is seen in Servant of God, Elizabeth Lesseur. She lived perseverance heroically by facing opposition from her atheist husband for the practice of her faith. She chose to pray for him rather than engage in arguments. After her death, he found and read her journals that revealed her love for Christ. He later converted and became a Dominican priest. Let us ask Servant of God Elizabeth Wasser to pray for us, that we may grow in perseverance. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Kroc, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. When teaching people to lift weights, we take small steps to be sure they can move well and lift safely before progressing into workouts. 
Small steps also serve us well in our spiritual lives. With God's grace and our cooperation, we can take small steps to love and serve others on His behalf. From Sacred Scripture, Hebrews 6, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him, as you have helped His people and continue to help them. The saints remind us that God appreciates our small acts of great love in our ordinary lives. St. Anthony Mary Claret said, Our Lord has created persons for all states of life, and in all of them we see people who achieved sanctity by fulfilling their obligations well. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace, which helps us take small steps to serve others in our ordinary lives. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and joining us now in the cafe is our bishop, Bishop Earl K. Fernandez. Good morning, Bishop. Hi, good morning. How are you? <laughs> Wonderful. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Can you believe it's Advent? I cannot. Uh, I can't believe it. I mean, we already started December, and I thought, where did the year go? And now we've started a new liturgical year. <laughs> And Happy gonna, New Year. <laughs> and it's, it's going to be a short one as well. Right, right, right. I mean, Advent will get three weeks and then the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, and then immediately Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. So fourth Sunday of Advent actually falls Christmas Eve. So that day we're celebrating both. Uh, so regular Mass, right, uh, on the fourth Sunday of Advent. And then as we go into the evening, we'll be celebrating Christmas. That's correct in one way. That is... Well, the vigil. I'm not Christmas big. Eve. I mean, everyone has an obligation to go to Mass for the fourth Sunday of Advent, whether that's mm-hmm. on the Saturday night or on the Sunday. After 4 o'clock in the Diocese of Columbus, one can satisfy the Christmas obligation. I myself am not big on Christmas Eve. Uh, in the sense that people now, nowadays, Christmas Eve masses get pushed, 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 and Christmas Day is lost on people. Mm. And I understand the need to travel, and I understand the need to have family gatherings and things, but actually Christmas Day is an afterthought uh, for many people. And so I'm, it's one thing, you know, it used to be in the old days, Midnight Mass was the first Mass of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that was also in part because of the communion fast. Too. Yeah, if you wanted to receive communion, you had to fast from midnight for the night before. And so there's always something big and intriguing about midnight mass with all the candles. Coming from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, they had the time of precept is actually even at 3 o'clock. So many parishes would have two masses going on at 3 o'clock, two masses going on at 5 o'clock, and then just one mass on Christmas Day. And so the Christmas Day, uh, the actual celebration of the Lord's birth became an afterthought. Uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I always thought about a punishment paradigm. That is, uh, the, the, the gospel for the vigil of Christmas is the, uh, the genealogy. So I always thought, well, <laughs> let's proclaim the genealogy and we'll use the long form. And so, because I really do believe people should go to Mass on Christmas Day. The punishment paradigm? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You don't get you don't get the the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. Uh, you get you know uh, from Abraham uh, to David, fourteen generations from David to the Babylonian exile, fourteen generations, and from uh, the Babylonian exile to the birth of the Christ, fourteen generations. <laughs> Are you going to do it this year? Uh, I have only the midnight mass at the cathedral. Okay. 
Uh, and then Christmas morning, I don't know what I'm going to do Christmas morning. Uh, last year, Christmas morning, I went to Mother Angeline McCrory, uh Manor and the Villas and had Mass there uh, for, for the old folks, so, uh, which is beautiful in its way. Uh, and then I will also, uh, just as I did um, last year, I'll try to get to the Women's Correctional in Marysville, and I'll try to get uh, down to Chillicothe uh, uh, and go to the men's prisons there. Uh, both uh, in the chill coffee itself, and even in the um, last year, I had mass on uh, for Christmas um, with the with those who are on death row, and then uh, and then I will um, I'll follow. I think an epiphany. I'll also go to another correctional uh, facility. Uh, I'm trying to think of when that is. I think that's or maybe baptism of the Lord. I'm going to go to Southeast Correctional. So we'll try and get around. Bishop Earl K. Fernandez in the cafe with us. I pray for good weather. I'm, I've already started praying for good weather because one of my favorite uh, evenings leading into uh, Christmas is uh, Simbangabi. And well, last and, year, there was so a lot of ice. Last year, uh, we had terrible weather, if you remember, December 23rd, 24th. Uh, Mark Huddy, who's the director of our Office of Social Concerns, he and I went down to Chillicothe, to the men's prisons there, and uh, it took us four and a half hours to five hours to get down there, four and a half hours to get back. But December 23rd, I was supposed to have the Mass of the Filipino community, and we just could not get back in time. So mm-hmm. Father Ramon Oero was very understanding, uh, but I am going to do it uh, this year. I mean, there are lots and lots of traditions. The Filipinos have Simbangabi. Uh, the, uh, the Latinos will do the Las Posadas. Uh, for 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 nine days. So uh, and now we have fast approaching the the feast of the Virgin of Guadalupe. So a lot of different people have traditions uh, around Christmas time, uh, and so uh, you know we look forward to people celebrating. I mean, one great tradition we had in our family was to put up a nativity scene, uh, and so we made our family we made a nativity scene each and every year. And out in front of our cathedral now we have the old state auto a nativity scene for people to come by and see, and that'll be up till Epiphany. So I hope for good weather, but I still like a little snow at Christmas time. <laughs> I don't want last year's freezing ice and everything like that, but a little snow wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Yeah, and this year, yeah, you mentioned uh, the uh, nativity in your front yard. That's new. Yes. I mean, it's beautiful in its own way. At first, when they were putting it up, because they, it takes a long time, it took a long time to put it up and then to get the lighting in and everything. Um but uh, so I, I joked, we're Sanford and Sun Cathedral because the front yard was all junked up. But it really looks beautiful. Uh, I said the prayer of blessing of the nativity scene on uh, on uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, and about 200 people came to the cathedral for the for vespers. Uh, now it's open to the public, and it's a way of evangelizing. I think uh, people it's been a long time tradition in the Columbus area. People like to come down. They like to come down with their families. Uh, different ecumenical groups and choirs have been singing. Uh, and so it's something for the whole family to see, and maybe sometimes people uh, haven't been so practicing, but they look at the nativity scene, and it calls them back to their childhood into a, a more innocent time, and maybe they'll say, well, I'll get on the road again. I'll try this year. And so I'm hoping that it reawakens the faith in, in, in many Catholics and Christians. And a lot of people have goodwill. I, I, it's right out there on, uh, on Broad Street. So people, uh, a lot of people walk by all times of the day and night, and they, uh, and they stop and they look at it. So hopefully they'll understand something of what Christmas is all about. 
Uh, Bishop Fernandez, here in the cafe, we've been really focusing on how we can enter more into the Advent season. And so we've been with our friends in the cafe doing the Rejoice Advent Meditations with the Holy Family. What are some of your thoughts as you're going into Advent and your encouragement for all of us? Well, for me, Advent, uh, you know, Pope Paul VI wrote a, a letter called Marialis Cultus. And so Mary, in that letter, he talks about Advent being a, a uniquely Marian season, and he recommends praying, you know, the, the Angelus and the Rosary. But, but I would also say, you know, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception is the patronal feast of the United States. And so uh, we begin to, to think about Mary being conceived and being a, an immaculate vessel in which the Savior could eventually be born. We have the great feast of the of the Virgin of Guadalupe, and first the apparition to Juan Diego. And so, the more and more Latinos come to our country, the more and more I think all of us become familiar with the devotion uh, to the Virgin of Guadalupe. And so, there are many processions, morning vigils. I think a great tradition was always the Rorate Mass, the candlelight mass, uh, typically on a Saturday uh, in Advent. Uh, and so, those are some of the things. I also think. That with the with Advent we really need to recover Advent as a as a liturgical season already because of commercialism and so on. As soon as Halloween's over, people you know put out Christmas decorations and start playing Christmas carols and they start marketing. But we really the first two weeks of Advent are entirely dedicated toward the Lord's uh, coming at the end of time. However, Advent always had a penitential character, and so there was a need to. Uh, prepare oneself for for um, for the coming of the Lord in time, the celebration of His birth. But it was also a time where, just like at Lent is preparatory for Easter, it was another time where people were preparing to be baptized. And so we've lost this sense of Advent. We've lost the sense of the coming of our God even in time. And so I think some songs like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel uh, reflect the O antiphons uh, from the Liturgy of the Hours. And so to really begin to think about some of those things, and that's a way of, of recapturing the liturgical spirit of Advent. At the same time, as I said, uh, we had the tradition of putting up uh, the nativity scene. And so for families to discuss what that means, putting up the Christmas tree. Now people put up the Christmas tree right after Thanksgiving, usually. And then they take it down the day after Christmas. Well, I think we... We never used to put up our Christmas tree so early, but more within uh, 10 days or something of Christmas, we put it up in, in immediate preparation for the Lord's birth, celebration of the Lord's birth in time. I think Christmas carols are very beautiful, but so are Advent hymns. And I think we've, we've lost the sense of hymnody. Of course, you, you hear, uh, you know, some songs like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. But to, to really recover some other songs like uh, Creator of the Stars of Night or the Word uh, Proceeding from the Father's Side, uh, those are beautiful hymns, or Of the Father's Love Begotten, or Angelus Ad Virginum, or even Lohauer Rose They're Blooming. You know, we, we have all these kind of secular Christmas carols, but we lose the spirit of Advent, and with it, then, the true entering into Christmas. Yeah, Bishop Fernandez, you mentioned a really good, uh, several good points. And, and one thing that struck me is Advent both being a time of preparation of 
of Jesus's birth in time, but also his coming at the end of time. And I know for myself, I typically more so focus on preparing for his birth, you know, this idea of him coming in time. How, how can we hold both of those in a good balance for a more fuller preparation this Advent? Well, I think, I think one of the things is to actually be attentive to the, to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, at the close of the liturgical year, culminating with Christ the King, all the readings, the gospel readings, have become more and more apocalyptic. The same is true. <clears throat> I mean, think about what last Sunday's gospel was. Three times Jesus says, watch. Mm-hmm. You know, he tells the parable. He tells everybody, the servants, to keep watching, only the day nor the hour. And he says to all of his disciples, watch. Right? There's a kind of a watchfulness uh, for when the Lord will come. Are we prepared for when he comes, whether it's on, you know, on the first watch or midday or when the cock crows or uh, at, the, at, the, at, at midnight? Are we ready? And so having this sense of prepar- preparation, if we run out to meet him as the, first, as the opening prayer for the first Sunday of Advent, said, with good deeds, uh, if we rush out to meet the Lord with good deeds, he's rushing toward us, and we have nothing to fear. Um, but I think really getting the sense. John the Baptist, too. When you listen to the words of John the Baptist, what is he saying? Repent. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. And people were coming out to John for the baptism of repentance. So there is this penitential uh, theme, and part of it is preparation for when the Lord calls us at the end of our life for our particular judgment, and then when he comes again in glory to judge the living and the dead at the end of time. You know, Adventus, you know, is the, the, the coming, the coming of our God in time. Our God comes to save us. And so I think that's one of the things that we really have to, to, to look forward to in hope. And Advent is a season of hope, and it's a season of light. Uh, but our ultimate hope is in the resurrection from the dead. And so to prepare ourselves to be uh, in good graces, have friendship with the Lord, uh, to make some resolutions about our spiritual life. All these things are proper practices of Advent. Bishop Earl K. Fernandez with us here in the cafe this morning. And this coming Sunday, we have John the Baptist, right? We do. Actually, even the next two Sundays, we have John the Baptist. You know, and he's a kind of a... Uh, he, uh, Jesus says of him, no man has been great, born of woman greater, who is greater than he. You know, so he's the greatest man born of woman. And so, um, yeah, we do get John the Baptist on this second Sunday uh, of Advent. And uh, John the Baptist, uh, he says, you know, he, he quotes, uh, well, there's a quotation from Isaiah. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way, a voice of one crying out of the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. But he was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He also is dressed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. So he's a symbol uh, of Elijah, especially with the, the idea of the leather belt. And locusts and honey are a reminder. Locusts from the time of the plague, but Israel's deliver in the Exodus, but the wild honey, the, the entering into the, the promised land. Uh, so he, he, he's telling the people, look, God's coming to save you and to deliver you once again and to lead you into paradise. Yet he says, one mightier than I is coming. I'm not worthy to unfasten, you know, his sandal strap. And so, um, so you know, John the Baptist is a great figure uh, throughout Advent. And, uh, and, 
you know, and then, of course, when the feast of the visitation comes around, uh, he leaps in the womb. But this, the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete Sunday, uh, and, and again, Gaudete Sunday comes from the entrance antiphon for the Mass. Gaudete in Domino Semper, Ethem Dico, Gaudete, Domino Senum Propest. You know, the rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. The Lord is near. By that point, we're more than halfway through Advent, which is why we wear the rose vestments. We're closer to Christmas and the light uh, of Christ. And so, uh, but we rejoice in the Lord. Uh, but even the third Sunday of Advent, the Gospel, again, it has the figure of John the Baptist. Uh, and what is he, which, which version are we getting there? There we're getting uh, the, uh, John's appearance in the Gospel of John. And there we have a theme of light. Uh, it's the conclusion of kind of the prologue, or at least part of the prologue. A man named John was sent from God. He came for a testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify the, to the light. And then it goes on to the, it skips ahead to where the priests and Levites come out to meet him, and they're asking who he, who he is. And he says, I'm not the Christ. Well, are you Elijah? I'm not. Uh, are you a prophet? Are you the prophet? And he says, no. Uh, and each time he's getting shorter and shorter with his responses because they're not really interested in the, Christ, the coming of the Christ. They're interested in who John is because they feel threatened by him because people are coming out to see him because his message is resounding with them. But again, what, what is his message? I am the voice of one crying out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. He's talking about a need to have a change of heart, of repentance, of turning toward the Lord, of fidelity, truly being faithful uh, to the law of the Lord. And so uh, John the Baptist does prepare, but he wants to, above all, like Elisha, prepare hearts for the good things that God wants to give us. Bishop Fernandez, as you're speaking, I think I was just struck with um, something internally, just as we're talking about John the Baptist and him calling out, make straight the path. And it just automatically made me think of, you know, the paths in our heart, this idea of is, is the path to my heart straight for the way of the Lord, or are there things blocking there that I need to repent of so that um, at his coming, I can rejoice because it would be very difficult to rejoice if, if I can't fully receive him. That's absolutely true, and so this is also why, you know, right now already many of our priests in the Diocese of Columbus are busy with Advent penance services. People, you know, they build up stuff, they block their hearts to the Lord. It says in the 95th Psalm, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, mm -hmm. as in the desert at Maribond, Massa, when they challenged me and provoked me, although they had seen all of my works. And so uh, we want to have our hearts softened. Um, I... One of the great writers at Christmas time, I think, is St. Alphonsus Liguori. And he has all these meditations on the infant king uh, and the Blessed Virgin Mary and everything. He says, paradise for God is the human heart. And this is where God wants to come and dwell. And so we have to remove those barriers and the things that keep the Lord from entering in. And they keep us from entering in more deeply and sharing more deeply into his life. And so it's Advent is a time also of even though we have a frenetic pace that's forced by the culture, of quiet. Think about Mary. And again, I said it's a Marian season. Mary keeps silent most of the time. When the Archangel Gabriel appears to her, she says yes, but then everything is silence once more. 
The angel departs and she's left in silence. And so Mary teaches us how to be contemplative, reflective, how to receive God's word, and how to receive God's word uh, with a pure heart. And so there is the sense of a need to prepare uh, for the Lord. I also think that St. Alphonsus says, look, how did God appear? He did not appear in power and might to, to cause us to be afraid so that we might obey. He appeared as a tiny child to warm our hearts, to embrace us with his mercy and love. And so the tenderness of the Christ child um, can warm our hearts. I, I, he 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 wants, this is the thing, God really wants to win our hearts with the tenderness of his mercy. And so Advent is a time to prepare for all of that. Can I really, really, really embrace the Christ child? And can I embrace the child born in Bethlehem, but also in the Eucharist? And so the Eucharistic revival year, now at the Paris level, is continuing in preparation for the, um, the Eucharistic Congress in July in Indianapolis. And so it's a time to prepare our hearts to receive the Lord, to celebrate his birth, but to, above all, receive him in Holy Communion. After all, the Eucharist is the source and summit of all life in the Church. Well, thank you, Bishop. I also want to acknowledge the fine work that Father Hahn and, and you have done um, on vocations. Can you give us an update on on vocations and what's happening well, at you the will, you Joseph, will recall you know? that when I was ordained a bishop, I said, look, I, there were no ordinations uh, that year in the Diocese of Columbus. And I said, look, this year in the Diocese of Columbus, more bishops are being ordained than priests. And people chuckled, but then there was a kind of a seriousness that said the reality set in. And this year I ordained one priest for our diocese. Um, but next year we'll have five. Next May I'll ordain five uh, priests. So that will be great God. for our diocese. But we also managed to recruit 16 new seminarians this year. And Father Juan has another uh, nine in application for next year. So that's wonderful news that the young men of our diocese are responding to the call to the priesthood. They see a need in their parishes. They want to be of service. And so they're generously uh, offering themselves. Of course, 16 new seminarians means uh, I, uh, an extra $960,000 for tuition, room, and board and formation fees uh, for them. Uh, and that, that'd be for every year those guys are in formation. So our, our, all of a sudden we have an enormous bill. So we're going to send our seminarians out uh, to the parishes, maybe sometime in the new year to try to do an extra collection to help, uh, help defray the cost of their formation. But what that will, may allow us to do is um, have, we, we're starting to get priest chaplains in schools again. Uh, well, maybe we can have multiple priests and parishes again so that they can spend time with families uh, and do some of that deeper evangelization that we're looking for. The, the faithful will have greater access to the sacraments and therefore will be strengthened uh, to live their own vocations. Uh, originally, Real Presence, Real Future recommended that 32 of our parishes out of our 105 parishes be closed. So we got a little lucky with parish mergers and consolidation. Some missionary priests and religious orders came to our diocese, so only 15 that I announced would be closed. Uh, but just as some parishes are being closed, others are going to have to be open. Uh, we're going to uh, really try to invest more in uh, Catholic education. Uh, but we also have not had the luxury of being able to send priests for further studies. 
uh, to help staff the seminary uh, and, and just to have an educated presbyterate. Having more clergy allows us to do some of those specialized ministries, whether it's seminary formation, missionary work, uh, keep some of the uh, smaller and more rural parishes uh, going, doing some of that deep-seated evangelization. Uh, all of those things become possible. Hospital chaplaincy. I mean, all of these things have been neglected, and many of our priests right now uh, are driving from one church to another to another to another, and it's very stressful. Uh, and so we want them to be able to enjoy and thrive in their ministry, and the happier they are, I think the happier the people will be. And the people will be happier when, you know, if, if Christ the priest is present in the person of priest, the priest, then when Christ comes to their home, he brings joy and salvation to their home too. And so we want our priests to be able to exercise their ministry, and we've been, we've been doing a lot of things from Andrew Dinners to the Melchizedek Project to... Um, having regional vocational coordinators, usually younger priests who meet regularly with men who are discerning so they can get a regular habit uh, of discernment, all of these things, and we're trying to project a kind of a positive and happy and, and joyful version of the priesthood because simply, quite simply, we have good news to share Amen. that our God comes to save us. Amen. Bishop, we only have about uh, two and a half minutes left. How can all of us—well, uh, thank you. Thank you for your thoughts— how can all, all of us be praying for you this Advent? I think, I think one of the things is, you know, pray that God gives me the strength. We've got a lot of challenges on the horizon uh, with uh, real presence, real future, financial horizon, personnel decisions. You know, there's so many things uh, coming at me that even, even bishops needed the opportunity to be able to pray. But I remember when my father was in his agony, um, and he said, uh, Bishop Daniel Thomas of Toledo visited him in the hospital, and I was outside the door. Bishop didn't know I was there, and I heard, the, I heard my father say, you know, I, 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 I feel so helpless sometimes. Um, I want to pray, I want to do these things, and I can't right now. And, uh, and that's how sometimes I feel, because there's so much work. But Bishop Thomas told my father, well, doctor, you know, you, you've helped people your whole life. He says, sometimes you have to imagine yourself as a, a buoy floating there on the ocean. You know, you're somewhat helpless, but at the same time, he said, there is an ocean there, an ocean of prayer, an ocean of mercy lifting you up. And so that's how I feel sometimes. You know, while I get a lot of complaint letters and things like that, um, I know that there's so many good people out there praying for me, fasting for me, lifting me up in prayer, yes. uh, and, and that really brings me a lot of consolation and gives me the strength uh, to do what I need to do. So I just ask everyone to, to uh, keep praying for me and give me the courage to carry out uh, uh, what my mission demands. You know, uh, my Episcopal motto is from a phrase of Monsignor Luigi Giussani, Veni Sancti Spiritus, Veni Pernodiam, and uh, come Holy Spirit, come through Mary. And so the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and through Mary we get the Savior, and that's what we're celebrating uh, at Advent as we enter into the Christmas season. So please uh, just keep me in your prayers. You got him. Be assured. Be assured of our prayers every day. Bishop Fernandez, thanks for being with us this morning. Hope we can catch up again soon. I hope so, too. God bless you. God bless you. You too. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friends. We'll see you tomorrow at 8.